Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Hey friends, I'm so glad that you have joined me today on the Ditching Perfection podcast as we are still in our series, In This Together. We are talking all about relationships this fall, and I'm talking with friends about a wide variety of ways that we connect with each other through friendship, through mentorship, through family connections. And today I'm so excited because my friends Rick and Nancy Daniels are here to talk with us about marriage. And these two are celebrating 50 years of marriage this year, which is so awesome. And they they just love each other. They care for each other. And they have had a wonderful relationship. Not perfect, but really they have an absolutely strong marriage. And so I am so excited for, for you, whether you are married, whether someday you are hoping to be married. I think that this conversation will be so helpful because they are talking today about how challenging seasons can actually bring you together. They're talking about the power of an apology and how they have nurtured a sweet friendship in their marriage. And like I said, I adore these two. I got to know them in the previous church setting where I served. They attend church there and they volunteer there in so many capacities. They say they're retired, but you know, I don't think they're really retired really because they invest in so many ways. Rick volunteers and pours into the the staff at church and invests and mentors. And for me as a young leader, as a young pastor, it was so, so helpful to have someone like Rick in my corner who believed in me and cheered me on and also wisely reminded me to have good life balance. I can always count on Rick to remind me to rest. (laughs) Also, I so admire Nancy. Nancy invests deeply into our refugee community here through caring for families and through tutoring the kids. You'll hear more about that in in our conversation today, but I am all the more better um, because I know them and because they have cared for me in great intentional ways. And I know that there are stories from many, many people that feel the same as me because Rick and Nancy Daniels care well for people around them and the way that they care for each other is inspiring and missional. So I can't wait for you to get to know them in this episode today. But before we get there, I wanted to give you a sneak peek into the next few weeks. Next week, Aaron and Gabe Murphy are going to be here and they are brothers and collegiate basketball teammates. And I'll tell you what, these guys had me cracking up during our during our conversation in the podcast studio, but they also just had such great insight into relationships and mental health and the ways that that they they better each other. Um, because of the close-knit relationship that they have. It was such a great conversation and so much fun. I can't wait for you to hear it. And then the following week, November 14th, is Mike and my anniversary. So we figured, hey, we may as well get on the podcast and talk about our relationship. So we'll do that in two weeks. And finally, before we dive into the episode today, the conversation with Rick and Nancy, I have to tell you a facepalm moment from this week. Okay. 
So Lulu started playing basketball this fall and she's loving it, like loving it, has a great team, great coach. And we are getting to know families that we don't know because none of the kids and none of the families on the team did we know before. So I'm on a text thread with all of the other moms, the other basketball moms. And this last week, uh, I wasn't feeling very good. The girls and I on Friday had some updated vaccines. And so I was just feeling groggy, not feeling great, achy, you know, that like 24 hours after you get a vaccine. So that's that's where I was. And I knew it was going to pass, but I was taking a nap in the afternoon and the basketball moms were texting and so was Mike. So you can imagine where this is going because I thought I was texting Mike and I texted all the basketball moms and I said, I'm going to pull it up right now. I said, I just woke up from a nap, not feeling the best after the shots. Okay. I didn't realize I sent that. I was trying to send that to Mike. Um, and then pretty soon, like I hadn't heard back from Mike for a while. Then pretty soon one of the basketball moms says, I think you have the wrong chat. And I'm like, oh, no. What what was I saying again? Like, how did I say that? So I looked it up again. I just woke up from a nap, not feeling the best after the shots. Okay. Oh, no. I'm thinking, oh, no. I, I didn't even say vaccines. I said the shots. So they were probably thinking I was taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon because I had drank too much. I'm like, oh, no. That is totally not the message that I wanted to be sending to these people that don't know me. And and if you know me, you know that I don't drink alcohol. No judgment if you if you do responsibly. I personally just don't. And so then I'm thinking, oh my goodness, these basketball moms are so gonna misunderstand me at 3 p.m. on a Friday. They they that's the message they're getting from me. Oh my gosh, I was mortified. <laughs> so I quickly wrote and said, I'm so sorry, wrong text thread. I said the girls and I got updated vaccines today, and I'm not feeling the best because of those. So, I mean, I think it cleared the air, but oh my word, how embarrassing to people that don't know me. Uh, Anyway, you can always count on me for a facepalm moment. And we try to do those every week if you're new to us on the podcast, whether my guest or myself, we almost always share some sort of facepalm moment because you know what? It is a good reminder that we are not perfect and that we can just stop and laugh at ourselves. It's actually a really healthy discipline, I think, for those of us who struggle with perfectionism. (laughs) Well, anyhow, with all that said, I'm really excited for us to dive into a conversation today, not about perfect marriage, but about healthy marriage with my friends, Rick and Nancy Daniels. Well, hello, Rick and Nancy. Welcome to the Teaching Perfection Podcast. So glad that you're here with us today. I am really excited for all of our friends listening to get to know you. So will you take just a couple of minutes to tell us a little bit about you and yeah, what what has led you to this point, a little bit of your story, but then what you're up to these days. So Rick, can we start with you? You bet. Okay. So let's see. To start with, uh, I started my kind of three careers quite a while ago. What brings me here is the relationship that we've had with you in the past when yes. you were at Eagle Nest. So in yes. the meantime, um, I, let's see, I'll just go educationally. I'll start from uh, like post high school. Okay. okay. So I crammed a four-year degree into six years for a bachelor's in nursing. <laughs> yes. Worked ICU 
Then I crammed a, uh, what would have been a normal two-year master's into a five-year program to get a master's in nursing as a family health practitioner. And then about seven and a half years to get a PhD in nursing and my careers then. Yes. Uh, I taught nursing for years, actually 33 full-time years and then 10 part-time on the side or as another job because nurses that teach want to keep a practice. And so I worked in ICU at first, and then I joined the military at the age of 32 and had 28 years of continuous service, mainly in the reserve, so it was part-time, and that was, that was very interesting for me. I actually mm-hmm. was in a mass unit for a while. And then a third component to my profession then, I published nursing textbooks yes. for about 15, 16 years, and that was wow. pretty fun. So in the meantime, that's a little bit about me, myself that way. Yeah. Uh, and what are you up to these days? I have had so much fun. I have three grandchildren. We live in the area. We basically moved over to Idaho to follow our, our adult children, and then that, that led to three grands. And so yes. I've had so much fun with that. So in the meantime, we uh, provide the, we're the kind of the, the, the babysitters, if you will, yes. every day, Monday through Friday. I do half a day, and Nancy does half a day. So that's one part of what I do. Church-wise, I kind of have enjoyed being, uh, I'll call myself a volunteer administrative kind of a person at church, mm-hmm. on the church board and get together with staff. And that's very fun. Very yes. fun when you were there. Well, thank you. Yes, I yeah. appreciate you. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, something that's been the last four years is I've been on the NNU trustee board. Yes. And elected to the executive committee the last two years. So that's been that's been really rewarding. Yes. Just really rewarding to see the Lord move and be involved in a campus that I was in years ago as a new believer. So that's yeah. been very fun to get to do that. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Nancy, what about you? Will you tell us a little bit of your journey and then what you're up to these days too? Yes. I will also start post high school. I was raised in a small town on the Southern Oregon coast and came to in and and met Rick at my local church uh, on that Southern Oregon coast town. And we dated for a couple of years, married at 20, and then both of us went into nursing school together. Oh, that's right. Yes, mm-hmm. at Oregon Health, what is now currently Oregon Health Sciences University. And so we, it was great. We finished our four-year degree in six years mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, did it as a married couple, which actually for us worked out great. Uh, we had children, and I was a nurse for... 12 years, and it worked out beautifully with kids because I could work two to three days a week, which I enjoyed being home with the kids like that. And then after having kids, I realized kids are really, really fun. And so I went back to school just for a year at Seattle Pacific University and got my teaching credential and taught elementary school for 20 years. That's right. Yes. 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 So retired at that, and we moved over here, and I got involved with the refugee ministry, which we have locally. We have um, many refugees from many places, but the refugees that I worked with are Rohingya refugees from Malaysia. And so over time, I ran a tutoring program for them, and then they're growing up now and getting out of high school, but I still maintain a relationship with them and help the family. They're looking for a business license now. Mm. And then I I help. I am a co-president at our church, um, Eagle Naz, in the missionary position there. Yes. 
Oh, that's so great. Yes. And then, of course, spending time with the grandkids, too. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so great. Well, I'm so glad you're here because we are in the midst of this relationship series and we are hearing from all sorts of different people and all sorts of different relationships, whether friendship or mentoring. But I asked you to come because I am excited for myself, but all of our listeners to hear your story, hear about your marriage and just glean from your journey. So, okay, how long have you guys been married? Well, we're calling this our 70-50 and we're getting a towards the end of the of the 50 because Nancy's going to turn another year older this month. In the meantime, we've been married for 50 years. Yes. And we turned 70 that same year. Okay. So that's where yes. we're at. Didn't you guys yeah. do a big trip to celebrate or you already did? Is that right? We did. We went to Europe and kind of some bucket list stuff. Okay. It was great. Okay. Where did you go in Europe? We went to Italy and France and Austria Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. In Germany. In Germany. Okay. We are going to all of those places in a couple of months. So after we finish recording (laughs) and we have dinner together, we're going to pick your brain because we're going to have so much fun. But where, real quick, where where was your favorite spot? Did you have the same favorite place or different? We did. Yeah. We did. We loved Salzburg, Austria. Loved it. So much fun. And then second to that was Normandy. Okay. That's so fun because I literally. Half an hour ago, before I came, was looking at Airbnbs in Salzburg. No way. <gasps> yes. Oh, okay. We're going to have to talk more about this. Everything about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm so excited. And the sound of music. Yes. <sighs> okay. Can't wait. Yeah. So fun. Okay. So 50 years. That's a big milestone. How you mentioned briefly how you met, but tell us a little bit more about how you met, how you started your relationship. All right. So I got to do a little piece of this. So. I actually dated her sister in high school. Oh, that's right. I yeah. remember hearing but about that. But that. that was brief. We started getting to know each other then as freshmen at NNC, Northwest Christian, or Nazarene College, yes. anyway, during the freshman year. Sophomore year, we started kind of doing more things together as, as friends, and I had a roommate at the time, lived off campus, and I started, I was just starting to get attracted to Nancy. And so I told my roommate about it, and he said, oh, don't tell her. You'll ruin your friendship. Absolutely, don't tell her. So we were together just as friends Mm -hmm. in a park, sitting on a blanket. And I laughingly said, because I was trying to figure out a really wise way to break the ice, and I said, you know, in in the middle of a conversation, we were laughing, and I said, you know, if it was five years from now, I'd ask you to marry me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How's that? How's that for, you know, subtle and, you know, broke the ice. And I'll just, I'll let Nancy carry from that. Yeah. So what did you think at well, that moment? It must've been a Holy Spirit thing because I am not impulsive, but I stopped. And without thinking, I seriously said, well, if it was five years from now, I'd say yes. What? And then I thought, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. But the Lord knew. <laughs> yes. So then from there. Six months later, okay. I asked her to marry me, but I waited until October because she had said something one time during the summer, that summer, that you, you, you can't ask me. I, I couldn't get engaged unless we'd been together for at least six months. So that would have oh, been okay. in September. 
So in October, I asked her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't really wait the whole five years. Right. No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Oh, my word. I don't know if I knew that story. And if I did, I forgot it. That is so fun. So oh, six months later, March. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So for people listening, they, you know, we, we hear sometimes and stories like this where it's like, you just know, you know that you know. What is, how, describe that. How did, how did you know, what did that piece feel like and how maybe was that different than other people that you had gotten to know sure. or other dating relationships? Um, I've thought about that a lot through the years because like I said, I am not an impulsive person. Yeah. Um, but I knew that he was a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. I knew that he had a sense of humor that I would never get bored. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that was important to me, but evidently it was. I knew his family. Um, I just knew he was trustworthy. Yeah. And that, and what's, and he was kind. I never saw him lash out at anybody or put anybody down. And I knew he loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that also was like top mm-hmm. priority. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Rick? You know, very similar in terms of, yeah, solid believer, deep in her faith. Uh, I have to admit at the age of 20, if you've been around men and women, you don't think in terms of a 20-year-old man being that mature, and, and we're not. That's just the <laughs> bottom line. She was absolutely gorgeous, and so that, that did play a part, you know? It just, it just was a part. I, I just fell in love with her mind, and then, you know, but anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> just enjoyed being with her. I enjoyed her sense of humor. I enjoyed the kind of the similar qualities in terms of definitely a person of integrity. Uh, she was someone that just, just to pass the time together, even when we were first dating, I just simply enjoyed being with you. Yeah. Mm. Could I add one more yes, thing? Yes, do. He was a hard worker. Mm. And in my core some part of me understood how important that was. If you're going to build a family, you need someone who can take care of you when you have children. I mean, this sounds all very practical, but this was all looking back Mm -hmm. that I kind of thought about this and came through this. Yeah, that makes sense. There was another thing that was interesting, and it was a, a real positive for me at the time. I was not somebody at the time that really got into student leadership. I worked so much, uh, uh, while I was in college that I didn't have really a lot of extra time that way. She was as a write in voted in as the president of your class or Magnum sophomore dorm, yeah. sophomore dorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that was so different to me because that wasn't something that was really a part of me. And I, I had a real respect for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So fast forwarding now a little bit, forward how long was it until you started having kids we waited till I was 26 okay so six years okay okay and we finished school Mm -hmm. and part of that was on purpose because Rick was an only child till he was 15 and then his mom had an unexpected blessing Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) and so he knew what it was like to be woken up all night long with a a baby crying and how hard it was on his mom and this kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, But 
part of it was also that when I was ready, we tried for two years and I couldn't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was actually looking into adopting Mm -hmm. when I finally got pregnant. Okay. So there's, you know, there's, that's a whole journey in and of itself, right? The fertility struggles. So how did that bring you two together in closer ways to go through that season? That's, that's interesting. That's a good question, Carly. Um, Nancy's right as rain at the time because I was 15. I was a freshman in high school going to be a sophomore when, the, when my brother was born. Uh, I was just fine being an only child. Why did mom want to have another child? And <laughs> yeah. then for the couple of years in high school, listening and helping with my brother, and I love the little guy, but it was not something that I thought of as, well, that's a lot of fun. So there was that part for me that, I had to let go of that, which was easy because I knew I wanted to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And watching Nance be, from the beginning, an incredible mother, she patterned for me. She really was just simply, and that's the age that she's really drawn to, the, the younger ages, mm-hmm. uh, as testified by her being a third grade teacher and a reading specialist mm-hmm. for years, that I really learned a lot of things related to parenting through her and through mm-hmm. our relationship. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, in relation to the inability to get pregnant, um, I honestly did not. I, it was one of the things I had thought about was that I might not get, be able to. Mm-hmm. I had an aunt who was never able to get pregnant. My mom, it took eight years to get pregnant. And I had an, the, the one aunt adopted two children. So I hadn't gone long enough trying, and I had my option ready to go mm. with adopting, mm-hmm. that it was not, for me, the struggle that it was for my sister, who ended up never being able to have children. Okay. So I totally understand that journey mm-hmm. and how difficult it is. But in my life, um, I was young enough and had already planned on probably adopting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knowing that was a challenging season, and I'm sure there were others, what can you, as you look back now, especially maybe in some of the more difficult seasons where whether there was challenge externally or internally, whatever that looked like, what did you feel like you learned about each other and how did that deepen your relationship to walk through maybe some rough waters? Sure, sure. Uh, thinking back over, over our 50 years, so to speak, the probably during the time when I was mobilized the first time and went to war, so to speak, with Desert Storm in 1990, during that period of time, the things that we both learned during that time, one, that you'd think as both having been nurses, that we would obviously be a couple that would think, well, you know, if you're having some struggles, you should get counseling. Well, no, you know, that wasn't something that we both just jumped to. But when I got back, one of the things that we've, we've talked about as a kind of a signature time was we were in the store together, and we were getting groceries, just the two of us. The kids were home, and they were young. And we were both holding on to the cart handle, the grocery cart handle. And we were both pushing it, mm-hmm. one pushing one way, one pushing the other way. And it was not that, but that was what made me and Nance together think, we need counseling. Mm. We, she did really well with me being gone. The, the family that's left behind, the wives that are left behind, or the husbands that are left behind during that time of war, so to speak, 
they usually are in two categories. One is they just fall apart and can't do anything. Or the other is they're very independent during that time and they do everything very well. Mm-hmm. And that was who Nancy was. So when I came back, I was almost, no question, we, we were in love and wanted to be together. But she was doing really well. Mm-hmm. And here I came back and I was going to be who I have been in terms of, you know, leading the family, so to speak. And yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting time, but it was a really outcome, a very good time to go through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Do you have reflections on that? Same season as well, Nancy? Uh, Yes, and he's right. Um, What that brought out was there there was a series of events. First, our firstborn was really wakeful Mm. and did not sleep through the night till he was five. Oh, my. So (laughs) I was exhausted. Oh, yeah, I bet. Just exhausted all of that time. And then when he was eight, I had a disease called cytomegalovirus, which was a novel virus at the time that came in through Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War. And it was kind of sweeping the nation. Mm. And it was very similar to what we went through with COVID, only there wasn't the public awareness of it mm. in the same way. The nursing and doctors knew about it and this kind of thing. So anyway, uh, my daughter got it when I got it, but she got well fairly quickly, and then I got it, and I was sick for two years. Oh, my goodness. Like in the hospital, and then my parents had to come and live with us, and Rick had to work three jobs kind of sick. Wow. And so first five years of sleeplessness and then two years of being very, very ill and then him going to war. It was, for my life, kind of a, a combination of, no, there's some things we need to take care of. Mm-hmm. And praise God, we got with a lady who was just absolutely, I think we saw her two or three times and that was it. But she pinpointed some stuff that really was life-changing in our lives. Mm. Um, And mostly it came down to we both needed to apologize for what we did Mm. and for attitudes. Um, Makes me kind of weepy, Mm. (laughs) even you know, remembering back, because there are things that he was doing, but it made me realize there were things I was doing. Mm -hmm. And we both apologized. And we both just kind of laid it out before the Lord and asked for his help in dealing with it. And those two things were very, very powerful in Mm. our lives and in our marriage, changed our marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That that whole, sometimes you'll hear it said that, you know, you each need to give 50-50, you know, you need to give 50% 50 each. And, you know, that's just not true. If you were going to go to work for somebody and you said you're going to give it your you're 50%. Yeah. You know, it's a hundred percent. And I would have said prior to those kinds of things that we were doing that a hundred percent, but I wasn't in terms of, I don't think I was that, that completely surrendered that I knew I needed to be. Mm. And so I would get stubborn or I would get, uh, patterns of, oh, whatever. Uh, I, I want to say grouchy, but I'm not, I'm not really, and have never ever, never have been a real grouchy person, but it could come out in my tone. Mm. And so that kind of thing, it, it just brought it to a, to a head for me to 
to just do what I've always done and thought of Nancy. It's just, she's wonderful. I, I need to always think that and act on that and mm. be action plan oriented with how I showed my love to her. And the, the two words, be kind all the time, uh, that really came out of that whole process mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate how you highlighted the importance of the apology. Yes. Because, oh my goodness, sometimes it's really hard to say sorry, isn't it? Yes. And yeah. because that it feels vulnerable, it feels like that's, a, that's you having to admit that you did something wrong. And sometimes we don't even feel secure to do that, even in yeah. our closest relationships. So talk to us a little bit more about why I'm sorry is so significant in our relationships, but especially in marriages. I think of it in being the comparative to our relationship with the Lord. I think in terms of, there's an old song with two words in it, or three, I guess, if you count the conjunction, but trust and obey. Mm. There, there's an element where needing to surrender to one another has a, has a real similarity in surrendering everything to the Lord. And that, I would say, is kind of fundamental in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. would agree. That was, you said that well. Um, there were attitudes that I was so deeply ingrained in for myself that I hardly thought of them as something that I needed to apologize for. Mm. And it was when I just really sat down and thought about it for myself and how those attitudes were affecting Rick, that that's when I realized, no, I need to apologize. And like Rick said, just being kind and consciously listening to myself, tone of voice, Mm -hmm. you know, or assumptions and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a good reminder as you're talking about how, even though I'm sorry feels vulnerable, it actually is a a way to be even closer together rather than something that pulls us apart. But I do think sometimes we buy the lie of like, oh, if I'm going to say sorry, then I, then it's, then there's the divide is bigger because I'm having to admit that I'm wrong. But what a gift it is to see the apology as a bridge builder and, and something that can actually bring us closer together. When were some other seasons where you felt like the Lord just drew you together really close? Do you have any specific memories or seasons of life that you just said, wow, this was such a gift in the way that God brought us together in our marriage? When we moved over here to Idaho from Oregon, and we'd been there uh, 26 years or so, when Nancy said to me, and just really objectively, because we were talking about my son was over here with his family and our first grandchild. Our daughter was getting close to the end of her graduate work, and we figured she'd be moving somewhere. And Nancy just very objectively said, you know, if we're going to move, we should move when we could make our own friends, not just have our children be our friends. It was one more of those times when my respect for who she is my respect for her perspective on life and, you know, finances and all of the other parts of the things that you deal with, it, it just, it really meant something to me because it was outside of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking it that, of it that way. And she was, it, it was so obvious that it should have been right in front of my face. But when she said that, and then we did it, and it really was right during that, and I could see that as the first couple of years of that move went, but 
was that how wise it was. Mm. Yeah, that was very cool. Yes, I agree. And that this time since we've been retired has just been a growing together time. Mm. That has been very, very precious. Uh, The last three years, we have done end-of-life care for both of Rick's parents. Right. And during that time, it was also a time that grew us closer together. It was very, very difficult, as you could imagine, because they still lived on the Oregon coast, which Mm. is 10, 11 miles away by by car, and there's no easy way to fly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did that, and we did it successfully, and uh, the Lord was there. And that also was a great growing time together. I bet. Yeah, those 10-hour trips each way were, uh, if I went alone, I was alone. But if we went together, it was very fun. And one of the things that's always been easy with Nancy is I've always loved being with her above anybody. Uh, There's, I can't, I can't, I've known, I've known couples that kind of live together like roommates and do their own things and, and in marriage, so to speak. Uh, that's not at all who we've really ever been that way. We've, we've always enjoyed doing things together. There's some things that she likes to paint. I couldn't paint if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> I like to, uh, if we go to Hawaii, I like to swim in the mornings, and she doesn't like to get up early in the morning. So there are those differences, but we just enjoy, I just enjoy being with her more than anybody else. Mm, that's so great. Still, I love that. Yes. yes. Yes, and if I could kind of piggyback on that, Going way back to when we were dating, I was, maybe we all are, raised in tricky families. (laughs) The older I get, the more I realize we're all raised Mm -hmm. in tricky families because we are human beings. Right. And we're all fallen. But I had never, I had always hidden how I felt facially and word-wise. I had to be very careful. I felt like I had to be very careful And so Rick was the first person ever that I had been around that would look at me and say, what's bothering you? Mm. And then allow me to talk about it. And so kind of, like I said, going along with what he said, that that has been a real blessing. Yes. I love that. Do you two have rhythms that you have have created for yourselves in like a a date night once a week or praying together? Like what are some of those things that me, that you have set that are just part of your relational rhythms? Well, it's rather new. You would think being married 50 years, we would have figured this out long ago, but I love to have Rick pray for us before we go to bed mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. And again, when I was younger, when I had the attitude, it was like, no. We don't need to do this because he honestly tried when we were had been married, you know, 20 years or whatever. And I was the one who was going, oh, I don't really need that. But now that my attitude straightened out, <laughs> <laughs> it is a huge blessing mm. to be able to have him pray for us and our children and things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I think of. Yeah. Can I ask you, when you have that pattern of prayer together... How, what, what, what does that do for you? What does that do for your relationship together and with the Lord? Talk to us a little bit more about that. It focuses us and me on the important things that we need to lift up to the Lord. Mm -hmm. It brings 
there's something just about being in prayer together under the Lord that in itself it's probably a work of the Holy Spirit that just works in your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it strengthens the marriage, mm-hmm. you know, as he leads in that way. Mm-hmm. That's what comes to my mind. I'm not yeah. sure what you would say. Yeah, Yeah. no, I would agree with the way that you put that in every way. Um, a part of it, as we're on this part of our, you know, this chapter that we're in, uh, with our children, with our grandsons, with uh, friends and family, the stuff that relates to the need to be the prayer warrior within the family, it starts to really hit me. I had a grandmother that I was raised with uh, for the first several years of my life. My mom went through a, a divorce with my bio dad, and so I, I lived and mom lived there, and she had to work full time, so my grandmother and grandfather took care of me. They prayed for mm-hmm. me, and my grandmother was one of those that the example that she led by, she just she prayed out loud so naturally, anytime, anywhere. Nancy and I, as, as we prayed then, and still do together that way. And we, we had done it prior to this chapter, but not as, not as much. It, it really has continued just to remind me of the way that the Lord is answering those prayers. Mm-hmm. Because of, and we'll never understand the mystery of how that works, but there's something about that togetherness in that way that also feels very powerful and very, uh, yeah, really draws us together. Because we, we both have the same heart. Mm-hmm. We, we, we both have the same heart of surrendering to the Lord and wanting his will for the people that we pray for. So Yeah. yeah. And there's an element of time mm-hmm. because we are retired. Mm-hmm. When you are in the middle of the child care and the jobs and the church work and the traveling, you're just tired. Mm-hmm. And to get Bible study in individually is a challenge in itself, but we have the blessing of time, and that's one of the unexpected wonderful things about retirement. Mm -hmm. True, yes. So when you didn't have as much time, what did rhythms look like for you in in connecting with one another? The the trips that we took, Uh that was something that was a a set-apart time Mm -hmm. from, you know, just us and our two children uh, and did a lot of, uh, you know, and some of it was for graduate work, but as I was a teacher and Nancy was a teacher, we had quite a bit of time that we could do that uh, during summers mm-hmm. uh, particularly. So I would say those were real, uh, it was easy to set that kind of time aside and be just a family and just a couple. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was real fortunate in marrying Rick, honestly. He's not afraid to cook. He's not afraid to clean. So when I was teaching, I had to leave the house much earlier. And um, elementary, high school teaching is much more rigorous time-wise, actually, than university teaching. Mm -hmm. And so he would make the kids breakfast and get them to school. And then that allowed me to get to school by 7.30, 7, 7.30 when I needed to. And then when I got home, I could make the dinner and he would help clean up afterwards, and mm-hmm. we would share laundry, yeah, um, share house cleaning. One thing that helped, and not everybody is able to do this, but 
we hired somebody to do cleaning eventually once a week, and that really helped mm-hmm. take the pressure off the house. We tended yeah. to be neat, but clean kind of fell through the cracks. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so tell us, well, let's say this. Let's say that there's uh, someone listening or a couple listening that is in their first year or two of marriage, knowing all that you have been through, all that you have experienced, what words of wisdom, what would be your top few pieces of advice you would give to someone early on in their marriage? The very first thing that comes to mind is total surrender to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Individually, just be surrendered to the Lord. And that is probably the one thing that has made our marriage most successful. Mm-hmm. And after that is be kind. Yeah. Assume the best of the other person. Mm-hmm. Don't have this knee-jerk reaction of, well, they're doing this because they're purposely annoying me. Well, they aren't. Mm-hmm. They are coming from their own place of need or assumptions that they're doing. And so just be very, very kind and assume the best. Mm, that's good. Yeah, Rick, what that, about you? That's really good. How can I add to that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the surrender to the Lord, that's, that's critical. Mm-hmm. And with, uh, without the Lord in, in everything that we do, uh, we don't stand a chance. So, so surrendering to the Lord, that's just way priority. Then... Well, and it, it's kind of, I'm really fortunate. I have the most wonderful woman in the world. <laughs> and so to think in terms of how I could give somebody else advice, well, I'll marry somebody like Nancy. Uh, <laughs> so that doesn't really, that doesn't answer the question. So I, I think then after the surrendering to the Lord, the, the phrasing of be kind is, is really something that we both, we, we've done premarital counseling for other people that were going to get married, people mm-hmm. that were engaged. And you can do that. You can do premarital counseling. And you can have counseling during your marriage and so forth. But the ability, and go to marriage retreats and all those kind of things contribute. But the ability for you just to, to self examine and say, why am I doing that? Why am I sounding like that? Why do I have tone with whatever it is that I'm saying? The, being, the be kind phrase, that really, really is helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So important. And I, so appreciate how you mentioned the self-examination too, because it's really easy, I think, for us in any relationship to put the spotlight on somebody else, you know, but really, if we can also be humble enough to put the spotlight on ourselves, then that will bring our, we can be our, the best version of ourselves if we're not always shining the light on someone else. But if we're willing to investigate, that's so, so important. Yeah. What's going on internally? Yes. Yes. Is there anything else about marriage, whether your marriage, words of advice, any fun stories, anything else that you wanted to share about marriage today that we haven't covered already? You know, it's, how can I put it the right way? We're going to work this out. Mm -hmm. There's no F in there. There's no, you know, the, in the culture around us, you know, the try on a pair of shoes and live together etc. Has, has proven by many surveys to not be accurate at all, but the mindset of, no, we're, no, we're going to do this, 
And fortunately, with someone like a Nancy and my Nancy, uh, th- that's not been hard. That's been very easy because of how much I, I love her and her character that draws me to her and the person that's both you know, my, my wife and lover, but best friend in every way. Uh, have fun together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, enjoy each other. Yeah, every every year of marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, choose wisely mm-hmm. for those who are not yet married. Mm-hmm. Choose wisely. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I can say. Everybody knows what that means for them. And then the second thing is, and Carly, you actually verbalized this for me not too long ago, is it's us against the problem, mm-hmm. not us against each other. That's good. And then the third thing is that when you work through your problems on this end, it's just an amazing relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they people say it's, it's kind of like your relationship with the Lord. It just gets better with time, and it yeah. is so true with marriage. It just gets better and better, mm. and it is so worth it mm-hmm. to work on it and to make it right. Yes. Oh, so good. Well, one of the things we always do on the podcast is we have a celebration moment because, you know, so often we can focus on the negative or focus on things that aren't going well, especially in our own, you know, this is the Ditching Perfection podcast. So, you know, we we realize, okay, sometimes we can be our own worst critic. So we try to stop and celebrate ourselves. But today I'm going to change it a little bit. And I would love for you to celebrate each other. So what in this season of life can you celebrate about each other? What do you admire? What do you appreciate about each other specifically in this, in this phase, in this 50th year of marriage? What would you say, Rick? I'll start with you. Wow. There's so many ways to celebrate who Nancy is. I said when I was 20, you know, men are not mature at that age. They're not. But one thing that I did do at that age was I recognized beautiful inside and out. So to celebrate you for who you are inside and out is so easy for me because you, you, you embody uh, a Christ-centered woman, you embody a gorgeous woman. Uh, it's so easy to celebrate you because of the characteristics of who you are, and I've gotten to know you so well, and that's only drawn me more to who you are, drawn me more in affection to you. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Yes. Thank you. Nancy, how can you celebrate Rick? He, well... I have never known another man like him. He puts things together intellectually. He knows how to work with people in an incredible way. So he has a heart to mentor and to make things better for them not trying to fix them per se, but how to make them the best person that they can be. Mm-hmm. He has been able to take everything he has ever done and learned in life and hone it in to what needs to be done next. 
and he is incredibly good with our children. He just loves them, and they adore him, and he continues to be a model for me in life, in everything, mm-hmm. including his relationship with the Lord. Oh, and with Nance, the, the, the things that relate to who you are as a mom, uh, unparalleled. There's no mother like you. And I had a really, really nice mother. Uh, it's way the truth with you. And also as a friend, the times that you have come into the lives of people that you, you, they didn't even know our language with the refugees most recently. And they call you grandma. And your friendship to them and your being Christ-like to them. Uh, I've never known anybody male, female, I've never known anybody in my whole life that exemplifies Jesus as much as you do Mm. in so many ways. Yeah. Wow. It is such an honor for me to sit and be a part of this conversation and to hear all of this. What a gift it is to see your care and love and mutual admiration Yes, you guys are definitely an inspiration to me and to Mike and to, I'm sure, everyone listening. And one of the things that I will say to you before we finish is the ways that you care for and serve each other then becomes so missional. You know, the way that your marriage reflects Jesus is a gift to everyone around you. And then the ways that you so intentionally serve, you know, you mentioned your heart for serving and mentoring and all of these things, but just... Yes. So I can tell you here right now, like you guys are the real deal. You authentically love Jesus. You so clearly love each other and you care well for your community and those around you in such intentional ways. So thank you for the ways that you have invested in me and the ways that you have invested in this in this conversation and people listening that you may not have even met before. I know that the impact is is significant. So thank you for for just being such a blessing to me and to many others. And thanks for doing this today. Thank you, Carly. Carly. It's so easy to do that with somebody like you and your family and Thank your mind. You. Thank it's you. It's so easy to do that. Thank yeah. you. Well, we sure love and appreciate you. And thank you for who you are. And thanks for doing this today. Thank you. Rick and Nancy are such incredible role models and I'm so grateful for the ways that they have invested in me and been an inspiration to Mike and me. And I just trust that they have been an inspiration to you too. Some of the things that resonated with me a lot that I will be hanging on to are, are these are these thoughts. First of all, I loved when Nancy said, it's us against the problem, not us against each other. I thought that was so good. I also loved that she talked about how they pray at night, and Rick mentioned that as well. And Mike and I pray together at night, too. We take turns praying for each other, and that has become one of the most meaningful rhythms that we have in our marriage. Also, I loved that they just said, be kind. You know, trust Jesus and be kind. Kindness does go a long way, not in not only in caring well for others, but it actually does something for us. I was reminded of Proverbs eleven seventeen. And in the message paraphrase, it says this, when you're kind to others, you help yourself. But when you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. I'm going to read that again. And as I read it again, be thinking about what, what resonates with you, what connects with you, and how God may be speaking to you through this particular verse. 
When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. I think this is so insightful because oftentimes in our cruelty, we are trying to pull others down because we are actually hurting. But but being cruel, as the as the writer of this proverb says, it only causes further damage to us and others. But kindness, being generous with our words, being caring and compassionate, uplifting, helps other people and it helps us. And I think that that is so important for us to be reminded of that in our marriages, but in our other all other relationships. So whether you're married or not, I think this is applicable to our friendships, to the ways that we connect with people in our office, at work, or our schools, if some of you listening are students. When you're kind to others, you help yourself, but when you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. So I hope that you will be challenged by that proverb and all that you heard from Rick and Nancy this week, and I trust that God will just help you know how this conversation today applies to your life. Well, throughout the week, I would love to connect with you more than just here on Tuesdays on the podcast. You can find me at Carly Communicates on Instagram, and I share over there throughout the week. I'd love to love to be in touch with you there. Also, if you found this conversation helpful today, I would love for you to share this with a friend. You can send them a quick text message about the Ditching Perfection podcast, or you can share my post on Instagram. But we would just love for our Ditching Perfection conversations to reach more people who need to be reminded that Jesus is inviting us to pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. So thanks for helping invite other people into our little corner of the internet here. Well, have a wonderful week, friends, and I will see you next week for our conversation with Aaron and Gabe Murphy.